Sister, how many times has the Proverbs 31 woman been placed before you as the ideal woman? I'm guessing a lot, right? Sermons, event materials, books, social media posts, merchandise. It's become this highly prominent message to women. And the meaning typically attached to it is, here's this checklist of what it means to be an amazing Christian woman, and you need to live up to it. Well, guess what? I recently discovered that the quote-unquote checklist is not actually a checklist. It's not instruction on how to be this ideal Christian woman or wife. In fact, it's not even primarily about women. It's about a man. Can you say mic drop? Friend, today I am going to unpack this amazing truth by sharing who that man is, what the real biblical meaning is behind Proverbs 31, and why you are free to say goodbye to the weight of a gigantic, unattainable checklist. Are you ready? Good, because we are doing this. Hey there, amazing lady. Welcome back to the Jesus Empowered Maiden Podcast. I'm Jen Murray, owner of Relate Escape, where I create, inspire, and motivate Jesus-based empowerment for my sisters in faith. If you're ready to dig deep into the true character of Jesus and our Heavenly Father, to learn who you really are as the daughter of the King, to break free from all the things holding you captive, both internal and external, and to learn how to love yourself in all your beloved uniqueness, you are definitely in the right place. It's time, sister, to claim your female identity, authority, and freedom in Christ like never before. As always, you can learn more and connect with me over at RelateEscape.com. You are loved, you are seen, and you are meant for more. Let's dive in. Hey there, friend. I really hope you are sitting down wherever you are because this episode is going to literally rock your world. I'm not joking when I say that it's going to completely change everything you know or have heard about Proverbs 31 and how it impacts your life, but for the better. I promise you. This knowledge that I'm about to share actually landed in my life quite unexpectedly. And I'm so grateful to the person who supplied this biblical truth and freedom. And I'll share who that is in a minute because to be honest, I never bought into the Proverbs 31, here's your impossible checklist meaning. In fact, I had long ago just mentally shelved all of Proverbs 31 because I saw two inconsistencies that I simply couldn't ignore. I didn't know what the real meaning of Proverbs 31 was. I'm not a biblical scholar or a pastor or a theologian. And so I just said, you know what? This doesn't make sense. I know there has to be more here, but I don't know what that is. So I'm not accepting this as this unattainable checklist that I need to live up to, to be a valued woman. I'm simply going to shelve this. And friend, as a side note here, I don't want you to be afraid to question things. Don't be afraid to say, you know what? Something doesn't seem quite right here. I need more information. I need more context. I need to do some research or approach others who might have insights. I need to pray over it and bring it to Jesus. 
And in the meantime, this isn't going to have a say in my value or my self-worth or my life in general. Being empowered means being aware, it means asking questions and deciding what gets to have a say in your life. It's not simply accepting what others tell us, even if it's something that's become widespread or commonplace throughout the Christian community. We all know how quickly a thought or idea can become accepted as truth or a standard or norm, even if it's not true even if it's not wise, even if it's not healthy, it simply gets passed around and then before we know it, it's shaping who we are and it's having a profound effect on our lives. But we're Jesus-empowered maidens, right? So it's important that we question things. If something doesn't feel right, don't just accept it. Find out why and if you need to, while you're searching for those answers and seeking guidance from the Lord, Set it aside until you have clarity. This is exactly what I did with Proverbs 31 because I saw two things that didn't add up with the way it was being communicated as this checklist for women or wives. The first contradiction was within Proverbs 31 itself, and I'm going to read through the entire thing here in a couple minutes, but essentially there are two main parts or sections to Proverbs 31. The first one is talking about things like excessive drinking, the rights of the oppressed, the needs of the poor, and then the second part is what's considered the checklist. Now, scripture does weave in and out of topics, but it does so in a way that makes sense, right? There's an overlying message or theme or big idea, but I couldn't see one in the case of Proverbs 31. Right? We start out in the first section talking about alcohol and the needs of the poor, and then in the second section we move into supposedly what a godly woman should be or do, and there just seemed to be a sense of disconnect for me. Like The context wasn't right. So that was the first thing that didn't add up for me. The second contradiction that I've had with Proverbs 31 is between it and the rest of the Bible. Because Here's the thing, as we know, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, right? So, for example, it's not going to tell you in one place that Jesus is Lord and then say something different elsewhere. It doesn't include contradictions. And throughout the Bible, starting in Genesis, when God rests on the seventh day, it's clearly communicated that God wants us to live and work from a place of rest. He's not about hustling until you drop or being overworked until you're exhausted and run down or being weighed down with an impossible list of responsibilities or tasks or expectations, which is what Proverbs 31 has been essentially touted as. So all that to say, I knew something was off about Proverbs 31 and the way that it was being portrayed and communicated, and I just refused to receive it. And I kind of just stuck it on a shelf because it made no sense to me the way that I was uh, being communicated to about it. So take all this and then we fast forward to about a week ago. I'm about to, I'm in my kitchen, I'm about to start doing some serious cooking on the weekend. So my single self has some leftovers for the coming uh, week. And I'm like, okay, I haven't listened to any like sermons or podcasts in a while. I should probably feed my soul as I work on making meals to feed my body, right? So I grab my phone and I opened the podcast for Heart City, Heart City Church, excuse me, which is the church that I have been plugging, plugging into here in Columbus. 
And they take the sermon from each week that they do at the service and they upload it to their podcast. So I get on their podcast and I'm scrolling through the list looking to see what I can listen to, right? And I found out way back in this past May for Mother's Day, Pastor Jake had done this interesting take on Proverbs 31. Naturally, that caught my interest for a couple reasons. So I hit play and within minutes, I was having one of those extraordinary moments where your mind is blown, like literally like the emoji. (laughs) Well, at the same time, pieces of things are falling into place, right? And I knew I was going to have to share this content on my podcast because every Christian woman needs to hear this truth because we've been living under this ridiculous weight of this unattainable Proverbs 31 woman for way too long. Whether you're married or you're single, I don't think any woman loves Proverbs 31, at least from that context of the checklist that we need to live up to. In fact, the Sunday after listening to this message on my podcast while I was cooking, I went to the live Sunday service. And after service was over, I went up first in prayer from Pastor Jake, and then I, while I was up there, I thanked him for doing this message on Proverbs 31 and sharing this life-altering truth. And Pastor Jake explained to me that he had been, um, he had become aware of some husbands who were sharing Proverbs 31 with their wives in the um, attempt to encourage them, okay, so the husbands weren't trying to like hurt or discourage their wives or like weigh them down. They were honestly like sharing Proverbs 31 to try and like encourage their wives. But Pastor Jake noticed that the reactions of the wives or the women were ones of discouragement. Like their, react- their reactions were the exact opposite of positive. And um, to quote his words, because I thought this was was super amazing as he's telling me this, he said, the Bible is the most empowering book ever written. So if the reaction to something isn't empowering, something is wrong or it's off. And I think that is an amazingly powerful statement. And so when he noticed that, that contradiction, it motivated him to go research Proverbs 31, and then he shared what he found for the Mother's Day sermon. But it was interesting because as he was sharing this with me, you know, when he mentioned the part where, you know, the husbands were sharing Proverbs 31 with their wives to encourage them, I had this inner physical and emotional reaction of like horror. Because again, I don't know, I don't know if it's the same for every lady listening to this, but I have never had anything but a negative or anxiety connected reaction to the whole Proverbs 31 checklist concept or holding it up as like, this is what the, you know, this is like the exemplary Christian woman is. Because it, it does nothing but add additional stress to our gender who, on a daily basis, is dealing um, with, you know, sexism and misogyny. Um, you know, we're living in a country that still doesn't offer things like, um, you know, affordable access to childcare or like childcare like some of the other countries do or enough paid time off for new mothers or all, all the things that we really need to help us meet all the demands that we face. 
And for some of us, even in the church we might belong to, it can be adding to those expectations instead of supporting and empowering us. So when Pastor Jake mentioned the, sh- you know, the sharing of Proverbs 31 from these husbands to their wives, I had this internal reaction of someone who was like watching a horror film. I was like, no, <laughs> right? But anyway, let's dive into the meat of this. And I'll, uh, just for full transparency, a lot of what I'm going to share from this point forward in the episode is some of it is Pastor Jake's exact words which he has graciously given me full permission to use um, because I was listening to his sermon again later so I could take copious notes. And he just has so many, there's so many good quotes from what he said and great points that he made that I just didn't feel like I could leave them out. And he's graciously allowing me just to like take whatever I felt uh, was warranted from his sermon. So a huge thank you to Pastor Jake and his uh, wife, who's Pastor Kate, Um, of Heart City Church for letting me share all of this amazing content with you. All right, so let's dive into what is actually going on with Proverbs 31. What What is the real biblical truth behind it? Okay, so first to set this up, let's go into the actual biblical context. So here's the actual context around Proverbs 31. It's important that we set this up properly um, first and foremost, but it's also going to, it's going to immediately change how we read or look at this scripture. So first, we need to note that King Solomon did not write all of the Proverbs. Most of the time, Proverbs 31 is read with that assumption that it was written by Solomon, but some of the Proverbs were actually written by other people, and Proverbs 31 is one of those. It was actually written by King Lamel, Lamuel, I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name, (laughs) by King Lamuel, that's what I'm going to go with. Who is King Lamuel? Well, we actually, we don't actually know a whole lot about him because he wasn't an Israelite king. He was actually a pagan king whose family came to fear the Lord. Now, King Lamel didn't write Proverbs 31 as a checklist for like what a righteous or ideal biblical woman should look like. He wrote Proverbs 31 to record or recount what his mother taught him. So the context of that proverb is him writing down wisdom that his mother gave to him to help him prepare to be king. So the point of Proverbs 31 is not, it is not to give women a checklist as to what a good Christian wife or woman looks like. It's simply the king recounting the wisdom he received from his mother. So already, even with just that context, we've completely changed the meaning of Proverbs 31, right? There's a major shift already happening in the truth behind it. And there's even more to the story. So let's, let's keep, keep going. First, let's look at the first section of Proverbs 31, which is the first nine verses, and it goes like this. The sayings of King Lomel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. And we're going to talk about this verse a little bit later on. 
It is not for kings, Lamoille. It is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Those first nine verses are the king's mom giving him wisdom in regards to the kind of man and king he needs to be. And there's four primary things that she's teaching him here and also in the rest of Proverbs 31, which we'll dig into here in a second. And then we have verses 10 through 31, which is the rest of Proverbs 31, and um, which are the verses that are often read or communicated as this crazy checklist. So I know it's a little lengthy, but let's be thorough and go, let me read this out so we can visit parts of this. A wife of noble character who can find, she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her, lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar she gets up while it is still night she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants she considers a field and buys it out of her earnings and plants a vineyard she sets about her work vigorously her arms are strong for her tasks she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night in her hand, she holds the distaff and grabs the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate when he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed and her husband also and he praises her many women do noble things but you surpass them all charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate Whew. okay i don't need to tell you that there's a lot going on right the first thing we need to note is that verses 10 to 31 are what's called an acrostic poem so Again, we're going to go back to some basic context, things that we have not inherently been taught about this proverb. So this part of the proverb that is usually referred to as the checklist that basically made me go out of breath just reading it, okay, is what's called an acrostic poem. What this means is, is that in the original Hebrew, each verse starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So if this poem was originally written in English, for example, the first word in the first verse would start with the letter A, then, you know, the next one would start with B, and so on. And it was written in this way so that it was easy to remember, right? This is before we had, you know, way before we had you know, digital things where we could save everything and like bookmark it, right? This is the time of like oral tradition. And if you were lucky and rich enough, you, you know, you were able to read and had implements to write. So this wisdom that she's sharing, his mom is sharing in this part of the proverb, it was written in a way that was easy to remember as this acrostic poem. Because this is something his mom didn't want him to, to forget is he, 
grew up as a man and grew as a king, as someone who fears the Lord, because she's imparting wisdom in, uh, throughout all of this proverb in four key areas. So number one, the first thing that his mom teaches him is that even though things are permissible or allowed, doesn't mean that it's righteous. So in other words, just because you can doesn't mean you should. So in verse 3, she's essentially saying, as a king, it's not good for you to give your strength away to women. Now, this is another one of those verses that has been taken out of context. So to borrow from Pastor Jake, to his point, sometimes women get a bad rap in scripture because we don't read it with the right context. And what happens is that we put pressure on women and their sexuality. So this verse has often been read as if there's these women out there trying to take away or to steal a man's strength. That is not the meaning of verse 3 at all. What's actually happening is that his, this mother is standing between her son, who's going to be king, and the culture that he's in which gives him permission to have multiple wives, have concubines, just generally be promiscuous, right? And on top of that, because he's going to be king, that means he's going to get little, if any, confrontation about his behavior, right? Like nobody's going to, probably going to tell him no about anything. So his mom is stepping in and saying, just because you can do this doesn't mean you should, this verse is not, it is not saying that women take away men's strength, that they, you know, suck them dry or however we've kind of heard it in official and unofficial circles. This is a mother imparting wisdom to her son because she knows that when he becomes king, there are going to be a lot of temptation, temptations, excuse me, and things he could do or partake in that aren't wise, that aren't righteous, or just healthy or beneficial. And so she's imparting that wisdom now. And I would even venture to say, as an empowered woman who fears the Lord, she's speaking to her son about some very real tough subjects. She's being an empowered woman. She's speaking up for his benefit and the benefit of everybody he's going to rule because the type of man that he is and is going to be is going to directly affect everyone that he's ruling over. And she doesn't just talk about the promiscuity. She goes on to talk about drinking in excess, right? That's a part of section one. Again, she tells him that whole, you know, don't forget about those in need. Like, you drink too much, you're going to say stupid things. You'll be, like, self-absorbed. You're not going to have a voice or be a voice for those who don't have a voice or a platform. Like, she's covering the full gamut of, like, here's these things that you just need to not do even though you could totally get away with it. Nobody's going to challenge you. She's being a godly empowered mother in a way that ironically is not following anyone's checklist. She's got her own checklist of important things that she needs to tell her son, the future king, and she's doing it in a very, really amazing way that made it into the Bible, right? Like talk about flipping things on its head when it comes to how this proverb is like between the truth and what is has been taught about it, this proverb ended up in the Bible, not just because a king wrote it and it somehow got in the Bible, but because his mother spoke up in the first place. And second of all, she wrote it in a poem that was easy to remember. So she like put some thought behind it. 
and she was being an empowered individual. Like, another mic drop moment in this whole truth revelation of this proverb. All right. Secondly, she teaches him to live from the greatness of his calling. So this was another great point of Pastor Jake's message. And I'm not going to sit here for a long time, but his mom is speaking to his calling as king. And she's teaching him to think and live from his calling, not from the culture. She's teaching him to live from his calling, not from the culture. Right? She's telling him to walk under the weight of the responsibility that comes with his true identity. And we know his true identity, if he fears the Lord, is found in God. His identity is not found in his title, how grand that is. It is not found in like what he owns. It is not found in the culture. If he's somebody who truly fears the Lord, his identity comes from God. And so she's encouraging him to operate out of the greatness of his calling, not the culture. She's helping to cultivate and steward the call of her child. Again, this is an empowering thing for a woman to do, right? Especially in that time, like for his mom to speak up and be like, you know, you're going to be king. I'm totally going to not just be here and be quiet. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to like do everything that I can. She's helping him to make decisions and protect his true calling. So that's the second thing that she's teaching him. Number three, she's teaching him what to value and desire. Now, a note here, she's not trying to control. She's going after the value system of his heart. So when she says things like, it's not good for you to, to desire strong drink, She's not trying to control. She's shining light on the heart issue that he needs to have his heart in the right place. And this is what leads into the rest of Proverbs 31, which, been, which has been like touted as this checklist for women or wives. The description of the Proverbs 31 woman isn't a checklist for what a woman needs to be or do to be valuable. It is a description of what is meant to be desired and valued in a woman. Can we just sit here with this for a second? Because that is a very powerful statement. Think about how that just flipped everything on its head, essentially. The description of the Proverbs 31 woman isn't a checklist for what a woman needs to be or do to be valuable. It is a description of what is meant to be desired and valued in a woman. The responsibility as it's presented here is not with the woman and having to live up to this impossible list of tasks and expectations. The responsibility as it's presented here primarily is with the man to choose a woman with qualities such as these. That changes a lot about Proverbs 31, doesn't it? A lot. The king's mother is teaching her son how to be a good husband and father. She's not teaching women to be like, quote unquote, good women. She's teaching her son what to value and desire in a woman. And she's elevating the role of mother and wife in his eyes. The big idea that's being conveyed here is, hey, son, you're going to be king. Therefore, you need a partner who knows how to take care of herself who has some ingenuity, some intelligence, who's more than just a pretty face. 
So she goes on to describe these qualities or give examples of these qualities, right? Like, you know, a woman that has vision and is smart and has the drive to have her own business or be what we would consider entrepreneurial. A woman who has a lot to offer both inside and out. She doesn't necessarily have to have that entire list, but like his mother is giving him like examples of things that he should be looking for because, you know, she's saying to him, look, these are values and characteristics that you should be looking for and celebrating in a woman because he needs more than just, he, he needs a partner. He's going to be king. And she emphasis, uh, excuse me, emphasizes the celebration point here. And that's very, very key because as king, he's going to have the opportunity or the ability to only celebrate whatever satisfies him, right? Like a king is in a position where, especially in those times, when he can basically decide to put himself completely first all of the time if he chooses to, and nobody is going to stop him. So his mom is specifically highlighting things that have nothing to do with him, but celebrates her, whoever her is going to turn out to be, right? She's saying his future wife should embody some of these qualities, and these qualities are things that he should also celebrate. But if we read this part of Proverbs 31 as a checklist, it's not a statement of things to celebrate in a woman. It's a ridiculous burden for women to bear. It's another impossible hill in our lives, especially you know, still in this country at this point in time when we often feel surrounded by impossible hills. There's so many things to do. We're told on so many fronts how we need to look and who we need to be and how we need to act and what we need to buy. And uh, we still face so many barriers. And, you know, I know I don't need to get into this in depth. Every woman listening to this knows what I'm talking about. But what his mother is actually doing here is she's stripping away the materialism around him and pointing to the deep character that he needs in a partner. Everything that is mentioned in that poem, right? It's it's a poem, not a checklist. This is the part that, that she wrote as a poem. Everything mentioned in that poem has to do with her character, faithfulness, resourcefulness, dedication. Again, she her, his mom is standing between him and the culture. And, and to boot, she's saying, son, you need to also celebrate her. So again, if we look at verses 28 to 31, it says, Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. In these verses... The king's mom's not teaching a woman how to be a good wife or a good woman. She's not saying if a woman does all of the things, all of the many, many, many things listed before this, before these verses, then she's worthy of praise. Which is how verses 28 and 29 have been interpreted or read, right? If you complete the checklist, the unattainable checklist, <laughs> That even if you lived on Red Bull and protein bars, you would never get done, right? If you view it as a checklist, if you do all of this, then conditionally, your kids and husband will praise you. No, 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 no. That is not what's going on here. His mom is teaching her son how to be a good husband. She's saying when you find a woman of value, make sure your kids praise her and that you praise her. 
And again, if I can borrow some words from Pastor Jake, because they're so spot on, this isn't the finish line for the Proverbs 31 wife or woman. This is the responsibility of the Proverbs 31 husband. And this guy in particular is going to be king. He is going to have a stage. He's going to have influence. He's going to have a platform, right? And his mom is teaching him that his platform that he gets by birthright, he just gets it by birthright. It needs to be a platform that elevates her, that shows her off. And she even gives him an example of what he should be saying, right? His mom points out to him that first, the character and efforts of a godly woman should be valued. Second, they should be acknowledged by him and his children, her character and efforts. And three, they should be praised. In other words, this part of Proverbs 31 that has been read as this impossible checklist is Biblically speaking, about loving, respecting, encouraging, supporting, recognizing, and empowering Christian women. So to go back to Pastor Jake's statement that I shared at the beginning of this episode, that he shared with me in person, we were talking about this, where he said, the Bible is the most empowering book ever written. So if there is a reaction to something within it that is not empowering, something is off. And that something can be, it can be a lack of context, right? Maybe it's a subject or topic that we're still learning about, right? As Christians, we're always learning and growing, especially when we first become Christians. There's a lot to learn. Maybe something is just getting repeated and accepted as truth when it should really be questioned, which is why we need to question things like I talked about. But at the end of the day, the Bible is about freedom and empowerment in Christ. But unfortunately, for a long time, the Big C Church has used scripture to put and keep people in boxes, including women. And the reality is that this is the most powering, empowering book ever written. And we only get to control and manipulation and boxes when we as humans interpret it wrong. With one scripture with one proverb proverbs 31 the big c church has put this massive weight on women especially wives and mothers it has set this impossible standard before them and glammed it up with t-shirts and social media posts and pretty event materials all the while it's setting up half of its church family to fail and to feel depressed and in despair and um, unrecognized and like they're in this all uphill all by themselves because that's what naturally happens when we have impossible standards placed before us that we can't reach but are told that we need to achieve it before we can be celebrated and praised. So friend, the main point I want you to take away from this episode today and there's been many good points But the main one that I want you to take with you today is that Proverbs 31 is not, it is not about us having as women to live up to an impossible list of responsibilities or tasks or expectations that we can't possibly achieve. That is not God's heart in this proverb at all. Proverbs 31 is the fruit of a mother 
trying to raise a healthy, wise son who is going to be king. And within that, she's teaching him to value and celebrate his woman and empower her. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much first and foremost for godly men who, like Pastor Jake, have their eyes and their spirit open to things that are needed for the women in their flock. I am grateful that he noticed this and he researched it and he shared it and that he is allowing me to take this and share it with other women because to every lady listening to this episode who right now is, I'm sure, feeling an insane amount of weight lifting off their shoulders, I just want you to know that God loves you and he's never going to put a weight on your shoulders that is just crushing. Heavenly Father, I would pray for the each and every lady listening to this episode that you would just, I don't know, just take what this truth is about Proverbs 31, that it's not a checklist, it's a poem. It's not meant to weigh women down with a list of impossible tasks, that it's actually meant to show men in particular that they need to value and celebrate their wives and their women, and that it would just be flipped on its head and become a proverb of empowerment. I pray that this biblical truth would just take root and become almost viral, that we would let it seed and plant and take root in our hearts as women and let it choke out the lies and the um, unintentional communication about what this means like and the weight that we've been feeling and all the things that have come with that weight and the ability to not meet that standard I would just pray that this truth like chokes out all that junk I pray that as women we would start to look at Proverbs 31 as a source of empowerment as a source of um of God knowing that there are godly men out there who like are take these lessons to heart and actually write them and they end up in the Bible, right? This king wrote down what his mother told him. It went from her being a powered woman to him recognizing it and it somehow ended up in the Bible. I pray that we would grasp onto that and see Proverbs 31 for the empowerment that it is and the truth that it is and the love that it is. I pray that it would just become almost like a battle cry. Lord, I would pray that you would help all women listening to this eject that weight that they've been feeling from this. I pray that it just takes on a life of its own under your your care so it remains true, but it just spreads like a wildfire. And that as women, we can continue to grow in you and to trust you and to see that you are in a season where you are just wanting to let your daughters free from the weight that they have been under, from the chains that they have been shackled in, and to bring us into a whole new chapter of what it means to be an empowered Christian maiden. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friend, before you go, if you found value in today's episode or it blessed you in some way, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. I love hearing from all of my amazing, powerful ladies, and I'm truly blessed when I get a glimpse of the incredible things God is doing in your lives. 
It also helps other women just like yourself find the show, allowing God to work in their lives too. Thank you so, so much. And by the way, if you want to drop me a line, you can reach me over at RelateEscape.com. Cheers.